Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. Hey, isn't it cool having a behavioral therapist? Like, I've, I've, like smart people. And um, so, Ryan, thank you for sharing uh, with us about that, and that's that's awesome. So, if you have any needs, just go straight to Ryan. He, he <laughs> kidding. Um, I grew up with Ryan. He was, believe it or not, I know you wouldn't have guessed this from the way he appears, but he was an amazing skateboarder back in the day, and he still is. He still is. Uh, but I taught him how to snowboard, and. <clears throat> Not true. He taught me. Um, I learned how to snowboard on his porch. I don't know where he is, but I learned how to ride on his porch. And um, yeah, it's pretty cool seeing somebody you knew since they were eight doing ministry stuff. That's really neat. And, um, and serving the community through therapy. So we love it. One person was clapping. I think you were clapping for yourself. That's, that's right. Good. <laughs> hey. In the announcements, there was the Mission Aviation Fellowship um, video, and I just want to—I want to say—it's not like some sort of church-produced thing. It's a really high-quality, good movie uh, that I want you to come to, and the church is actually paying so that you can come to it for free. Otherwise, you'd have to go to a theater and pay for it. And um, this is a neat video. Um, great, great images, great people, great quality. Well, what was so neat for me is I got to go there with the, uh, the Rogers family. And would you just throw your hands up? I think, come on, come on. There we go. All of you. Yeah, come on. I'll put it up all four. All four. All four. There we go. Uh, veteran missionaries to Indonesia for 15 years with uh, Mission Aviation Fellowship. And it's really cool watching this because the planes they flew in, the houses they lived in, the people they loved are all in here. And so it's just neat to be able to watch this and know the Celebration Church's very own are part of this. And... Be there December 10th to participate in the video, in the movie. Okay? Good. Also, we are going dark. So um, we're doing Christmas Eve Eve service and then nothing else for the rest of the year. Okay? So the offices will be closed. If you call the church, no one's picking up. Um, people, we're telling the people in the office, go spend time with your family, just go do nothing. So we're shutting down the office and the whole church until the end of the year. Christmas Eve, Eve service, you get that, right? That's the 23rd. (laughs) And then there's nothing else until next year, okay? Um, I just, I just really value the people that put in just endless hours around here serving every week. We've got people that serve just about every week in kids and in just every aspect of this church. And we want this to be a time for you to just chill out and go be with your family, all right? Okay. Some of you are like, we did that last week. Calm down. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but here's what's really cool is um, I want to show you what's been going on around the building. We've, we've done a lot. Of, Ryan said it this way. He said, it turns out we are the given us givers in the giver verse. Um, your church raised a 
ton of money for us to be able to go into the next phase of this project. But the cool thing is, the phase we're doing now, the kids area behind here, um, we've just been able to live with enough margin to just pay for it. And so this is what's going on. And um, yeah, it's pretty fun. Just in a couple weeks, totally transformed and very thankful for all that's going on. Our kids' space will be doubled. Um, so that was done. Uh, there's a, a handicap ramp for the, the stage that's being done, that is done. Um, there's some other things, miscellaneous, the coffee bar is going to get redone, uh, all in this first phase. And um, it's been really exciting. Here are some of the people that are involved in it. I just want to show you. Um, this guy on the far left, his name is Clark Burton. Clark, would you just, where are you at? Come on, stand, I'm going to stand up again. If you've been coming to Celebration Church for any length of time and you've seen anything that we do that is excellent, it is because of Clark. That's not a joke. It's because of Clark. He's absolutely amazing. And uh, we, we love your diligence and your excellence. He leads far beyond his, his um, beyond the bar that I set, and he leads far beyond his age. He's in his 20s, and he leads like he's 40 or 50. And we just, we love that about you. We really do. It, Hold on, we're still going. In fact, Clark's, Clark's leadership reach goes beyond your church. Um, he may be in his mid-20s, but he's actually responsible for a thing called the Leading Second Podcast, which is the premier, like the number one podcast on leadership from the second chair in the world. And uh, so he participates in this thing called Leading Second, and he's responsible for the entire podcast. And thousands of churches around the country and the world are blessed because of your, your ministry and your efforts, and we love it about you, and you're amazing. Um, so that's Clark. That's Clark. And um, the guy in the middle on the left is Jeff McHadden. Jeff, are you here? Don't see Jeff. Okay, that's because he's been here all week. And um, so, <laughs> so we love you, Jeff. Uh, Jeff is a, is a business leader in the church, and uh, he, he has business in California, so he travels back and forth. And when he's here, what he's doing is coordinating and leading all of the volunteer work that we're doing in the building. And uh, for most of the project, we're, we're paying to get it done. Um, I've been a part of church projects that were all volunteer, and they're still going. And, you know what I'm saying? Like a 25-year-old building project. Uh, but so the stuff that is not time-sensitive, Jeff is leading that. So if you want to participate in any way, uh, perhaps painting or cleaning, that kind of thing, uh, we would love your help. In fact, in two weeks, we'll be painting out this area. So if you have like a commercial Graco sprayer or you're really good at running tape, uh, then we need you. And uh, so reach out to the office and we'll get you in contact with Jeff. The guy right next to him, his name is Carl. And Carl is a superintendent from Petra. Petra is a local business that, that usually once a year has a church that they, that they serve and they do a, a great job below typical costs. And we're very thankful for Petra and Carl's doing a great job. The guy right here holding the blueprints in the middle, his name is Michael. Michael, his company is the one that is doing all of the, the plans, the drawings for us. Um, he actually designs all of the retail space inside the Empire State Building. That's his, that's his normal gig, but he's, he's never done a church before, and he's just really pumped to be alongside us. But he's not only, not only has he never done a church before, but the guy next to him in the middle, his name is Gene, and he's a retired architect that has done hundreds of churches. And uh, Gene is a retired architect, used to be uh, very involved with Petra, the same company. And Gene is just a very special individual. I really love this guy's heart. 
he believes his calling uh, to the kingdom of God is numbers. And uh, so he feels that it is his calling to make sure churches are on budget and on time with any kind of projects they do. And so he serves churches across the, the, the region by just helping them with the numbers. And I'm very thankful. Uh, he does a great job. <clears throat> and then that guy over there, his name is Michael Nye. Michael Nye used to be with Petra, superintendent. Now he's a, a developer in the, the Valley. And he does a, a great job. And he's the one that kind of put all this together, put all the right people into the room. But he will also be personally leading our second phase of the building. So that's our auditorium and the stuff that you just gave towards. Michael will be the general superintendent leading towards that, uh, donating his time to make sure everything gets done on time and under budget. Come on. So a lot of cool stuff going on. I just want to encourage you, uh, let you know, let you see what's going on. Feel free to peek back there. We've got it blocked off, but peek. Um, it's fun. Ryan said it right, and he, he, is, um, he is the professional, so he would know. But this is uh, it's a stressful time of year, isn't it? And I find in my own self, this time of the year, I, I, I just, things that wouldn't normally bother me, bother me. Just because there's additional pressure, there's additional things that have to happen, expectations that you've known are coming all year, Right? But just expectations and pressures it creates stresses, and, um, and perhaps it creates fear. I, I think all of us have fears, don't we? I, I, yeah, I got a sure out of you. That's fine. Is, is, there anybody, is there anybody afraid of heights? Yeah, don't put it up too high, right? Like, keep it. Anybody afraid of spiders? Yes, absolutely. Spiders are the devil. <laughs> Anybody afraid of small spaces? Okay. Anybody afraid of wide open spaces? <laughs> you guys, you live in Idaho. Okay. Uh, you need a, uh, I don't normally tell people to find a different spot, but <clears throat> Washington may be good for you. Trees. Okay. Um, <clears throat> anybody afraid of public speaking? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, me too. All right. No, you know, I, I, um, I, I like to think of myself as someone that's not afraid of a lot of things, but there are things that I am afraid of. Um, one of the things that I'm afraid of is dentists. And, and, I'm a, uh, and, and I like dentists. Like, like, I think they're great people. But <laughs> if, if you're a dentist here, here I, I, I hope this is redeeming at the end. Okay. Um, but I had my tooth shot out with a marble on a slingshot when I was 12. And um, when it got shot out, it, like, it was right at the nerve, so my, my mouth was sensitive to cold and heat. And I lived in the Yukon in northern Canada, which is like 50 below, right? And um, so it was, a lot of, it was a lot of pain and this and that. And between junior high and high school, I had the cap on the end of my tooth replaced nine times. And it wasn't the dentist's fault. Um, Pepsi was doing this promotion uh, called Pepsi Points. Remember that? Pepsi Points, they were inside the... And the, I could never get them with my finger, but I could get my mouth in there, you know? And every once in a while, I'd lose a tooth trying to get a Pepsi Point. My dad was like, these are the most expensive Pepsi Points in the world. <laughs> you know? But I remember when they finally drilled out the, the nerve in my mouth and, and did a root canal. And uh, it was just terrifying as a, as a child. It was, it was a terrifying, kind of a traumatic experience. And I never went to a dentist again until just a couple years ago. 
when I went into the dentist, uh, he looked in my mouth and he said, you haven't been to a dentist in uh, like 25 years? I said, no, I haven't. He said, wow, well, you have cavity-resistant teeth. Like, you're doing a really good job. Um, there's very, very little trouble here. Um, but I do see a couple little cavities. I'll just fix those up for you, and, and we'll be good. I said, fantastic. Cavity-resistant. I'm amazing. Like, I already knew this. I just needed him to know it, too. You know, like, it was this. And, and so cavity-resistant. So he, he drills out the, um, the cavities and fixes them, and um, my mouth has not stopped hurting since. <laughs> Like, 25 years, no pain, go to the dentist, now it hurts, right? So, like, I'm not, I love my dentist. Um, Snakes, I'm scared of snakes. Uh, I'll have people ask me, they say, you're from Alaska, why are you scared of snakes? Because we don't have snakes in Alaska. And scary things, you should be able to see scary things from a quarter mile away, you know? You should have time to reload before they get to you. Another thing I'm scared of is, this one's a little more vulnerable for you, um, I'm scared of rejection. Sucker, whoever said that? That really helped. That helped a lot. Aw, shucks. No, I, I just, um, man, I, I, I don't like when, when you really want, you want acceptance from somebody and they don't give it to you. That, that I hate that. And um, I don't know why. Like, yeah, just get over it. You're a pastor. Get over it. <laughs> it's the name of the game, right? But it's still, every single time, it's, it's hard for me. Today, I want to talk about how to deal with the fears in your life. And I want to do it through the lens of the Christmas narrative. The scripture gives us this beautiful account of the birth of Jesus. And there's deep meaning and purpose behind it. And And one of the first things we see in the announcement of Jesus is how God plans to deal with fear in our lives. It says it like this in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And and this is... A very easy passage of scripture to just gloss over. Rabbi David Foreman says it's the, um, the, the fairy tale lens that we give scripture sometimes. It, it, you know, when we read like nursery rhymes, we, we hear a nursery rhyme like, ashes, ashes, we all fall down. And we're like, oh, so cute. They're talking about the bubonic plague and everybody dying, right? The nursery rhyme lens means we, we hear it so many times. We're not paying attention to the crazy things that are being said. And this is what's going on in this path. Oh, born of a virgin. That's great. No, that's crazy. Like, like that is not only super exciting, but it's also quite devastating. Uh, It would be huge in this culture. It would be something that would just, like, completely uh, wreck this person's world. And somebody's like, well, why would it wreck their world? Ask your parents. Ask your parents. They'll explain to you. Why it's such a big deal. Here's the deal. God always starts his interactions by asking us to believe in something that is beyond our comprehension. Like he always begins the story beyond where we can start the story. And really life change happens when we begin to believe the illogical things of God and trust him at his word. 
This is foundational to Christianity, that we believe Jesus was born by a woman who never had intimate relationships with a man up until that point. We believe that. And, and, and why it's so foundational is this, is, is because it sets the stage for believing in things that are impossible. Because if I can believe in a pregnant virgin, I can believe in a forgiven sinner. If I believe in a pregnant virgin, I can believe in a recovered addict. If I believe in a pregnant virgin, I can believe in a transformed marriage. I'm saying whatever it is in your life that you feel is illogical, it's irreparable, whatever it might be, I'm saying it's in those sort of dichotomies that God reveals his goodness to us. And so she is pregnant of the Holy Spirit and her husband responds in the next verse. Her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Right here we think, no, he must be a bad guy. No, 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 read the verse. Joseph being a just man. Say, he's a good guy. He's a a really good guy. He's a guy that is is good. He's a just man. He's not mean and I'm done with you. That's not what he is. He's... He's a good man, and he loves this girl. He wants to marry this girl, but the problem is either she loves someone else or she's been through trauma. Either she's rejected him or she's experiencing shame. It's one or the other, and somebody, maybe you come from a background where you think like he, they just knew from her appearance that she was just a holy person to start with. That's not what the text says. What it says in the next verse, the, the, the angel will tell him what's going on. But right now, he's, he, he's in a weird spot. And, and it's really a weird spot because of the context of this verse. We're in Matthew chapter 18, or Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. But the first dozen verses of Matthew is giving the lineage of Jesus from Joseph's side of the family. And why that's significant is there are four women included in the lineage of Jesus, which doesn't happen in ancient texts. There's a reason they're included, and why they're included is because their stories are so different than one might expect from a holy risen Savior. Right? One of them is, is this, this woman named Tamar, who uh, both of her, her husband dies, and so she gets with the, the brother of the husband, and he dies, and she ends up tricking the father of both men into sleeping with her so she can have a child. It's crazy. And then there's another story of a, of a woman that was a prostitute who lived in the wall of a city, and yet God saves his people through her. Not someone with a great past or a great reputation. There was a woman named Ruth who, who her husband had died, and she, she survived by eating food out of the, the edges of, of a field, but she ends up having this, another scandalous sort of situation happen in her life. And, and then there's a, a woman named Bathsheba who... She was taking a shower on top of her house and the king of Israel was looking down on her as she took the shower and he sleeps with her and she becomes pregnant and then, then he 
kills her husband so she can stay with him. And she's one of the great, great, great grandmas of Jesus. And Joseph knows all the scandalous stories of his family's past. And now his soon-to-be wife is saying, I might bring more scandal into the family. And so in the law, Deuteronomy chapter 22, there's actually a portion of the passage that says what to do with marital infidelity. And it says if, if somebody is engaged to somebody else and, uh, and the woman and another man sleep together, they should both be killed. And then it says uh, if they sleep together and they're in the city, but no one hears her scream because she's maybe being attacked. If no one hears her scream, then they should both be killed because she should have screamed louder. That's what it says. And then it says, if she's in the country, but there was no one there to hear her scream, only the man gets killed, not her, because there's no way to prove that she was in favor of this situation. Like, he lived in a world where, where the, the implications of this are, are scary at best. And so his decision is, we're not going to have this public trial to figure out if she screamed loud enough. Instead, we're going to just, we're just going to put this away. We're going to put it behind us. We're going to get rid of it. And really what he's doing is he's saying, I will just handle it myself. Anybody ever do that? I'll just handle this situation myself. I'll just, I'll just take care of it on my own. That's how I am. The car breaks down. Ah, I'll handle it myself. No problem. Get in there and I fix the car, make it all better, and then we pay more money to get fixed. Right? <laughs> like, like, I thought I fixed it. Now there's oil everywhere, and we call him the real mechanic. To <clears throat> my wife's like, honey, you know, right? Like, Mechanics, mechanic, ortho, orthopedians, orthopedics, orthopede, right? Nurses, nurse, and preachers, preach. Like, just, you do what you do. But I'll often try to fix it myself, and I make the situation worse. Yeah, it drives, but it leaves a streak of oil down the road. And perhaps you've made a decision, or maybe you're living with the consequences of a decision today, where you decided you just take care of it on your own, and yeah, it works. Like, yeah, you're handling it, but it's leaving a streak of oil. Everybody else around you sees that you're just handling it. It's not really dealt with. And I just want to say that in this season, God wants to show us how he can deal with those areas of life that are so complicated, they're so difficult, and only he can handle them. It says this in, in the next verse, it says, but as he considered these things. You see, Joseph fully intends to divorce her, but he's, he's traveling in his mind through all the complexities of the issue, through the family history, through the legal ideas of the day, through his own love and concern for her, for, her, for her, through his own questions of whether or not she loves him. It's a difficult situation. 
And I think many of us experience situations that are difficult, things that are not black or white, things that are not hot or cold, things that are not cut and dried and answers are clear. Sometimes in life, it's not a matter of whether something is right or wrong. There's things to consider there. There's really more to the issue than meets the eyes. And then sometimes in life, we just sit there and we consider things, we, we, we consider all the issues around a thing and never take action on a thing, don't we? Constantly wondering, maybe, how can I further my career? What can I do to, to go farther along in my career? What, what can I do to cut my education shorter, make four years into three years? What, what can I do to, uh, to help my family during this Christmas season? What, what can I do? How do I deal with the emotions I know I'm going to experience on Christmas Day? And we can get so caught up in considering, handling it ourselves, and considering all the complexities that we never get anything done. Confucius say, man who always considers his step will never put his foot down. Like at some point in your life, you've got to realize you will not have all the data you need to make the decision. At some point, you will realize you will not have all the answers together, but you're going to have to make a decision based on 80% of the information, and you're just going to have to trust that you've got a good decision made. How was church this week? Well, I've just still been trying out churches, just been considering them. Listen, at some point, you, you can try all the churches in the valley you want. At some point, you just got to decide, this is where I'm going to plant and this is what I'm going to say. Like, like Inigo Montoya from Princess Bride. This is where I am. This is where I stay. You said go back to the beginning. I'm sorry. <laughs> like at some point, like, like how was celebration this week? Oh, it was great. I'm still considering if this is our home trip. Like at some point, you can considering up front is good, but at some point, You've just got to stop considering and realize that there's got to be a, I will not have all the information. I will not know everything I need to know. I've got to step forward and make a decision somewhere. I've got to put an end to the conversation. I've got, I've got to put an end to the kicking the tires in life. I don't know if she's the one. I don't know if she's the one. At some point, you got to make a decision. Stick with it. That's the will of God, right? That at some time, at some point, we, we stop just considering all the issues and we just, let's get down to the brass tack. Like, let's figure this thing out. Here's what it says in Isaiah chapter 118. Come now, let us reason together. Let's, let's, let's stop all the considering and let's just talk. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, you got problems, they shall be white as snow. They, though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. God's answer isn't like, let's just try to handle it on ourselves. Let's keep considering all the issues. He says, let's get together and talk, and let's just get, get to the bottom of this thing. Let's deal with your sins so you can move on with your life. Like, let's give you a life that is worth living more abundantly rather than dealing with the same issue over and over and over again. What is it you're considering? What is it that, that you just keep looping back around to? Here's what happens. 
Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. That's not Joseph's question. Joseph didn't have the question, how do I deal with my fear? Joseph had the question, how do I deal with the complex issue? Joseph's issue was, how do I deal with perhaps somebody that was unfaithful to me? Joseph's issue was, how do I deal with someone who was perhaps traumatized? And the angel tells him, don't be afraid. Because the truth of the matter is that so many times we don't think we're afraid. We think we're dealing with an issue, but the issue is not actually the issue. What's really the issue is the fear behind our decisions in the issue. We think we're dealing with complex issues, but the, the truth of the matter is, is that deep down inside, God needs to do a work because we're really looking at life through the lens of fear. Well, pastor, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. No, you call it something different. You call it shame. But shame is really the fear of being known. You, you call it Anxiety, but anxiety is really the fear of the future. You, you call it stress, or, and stress is really the fear of failure. You call it guilt, but guilt is really the fear of the past. So you, you tell me today, like, Pastor, I ain't, I ain't afraid of anybody, but you won't have that real conversation about the real issue. You, you say you're not afraid, but you, you won't be honest in the real conversation that needs to happen. Pastor, I'm not afraid of anybody, but you work 18 hours a day because you're so afraid of failure that your children don't even know who you are because fear is driving you to run ragged. We experience real fears, whether they're shame, guilt, anxiety, stress, real fears. Afraid of what people think about you. Or maybe afraid whether or not you left the right impression in that conversation. Or afraid how to hide the areas of your life that you don't want anybody to really see in your life. Or maybe you're afraid of being known. So what you do is you put a filter on everything you post on social media. And the reason you filter everything you put on social media is the fear of being known. Perhaps today, when I say someone's afraid of what people think about them, you look down your nose at people like that because you're not afraid of what anybody thinks about you. But the truth is you've been held captive your whole life by what one person thought about you. You've been frozen in time because of the way your dad thought about you or a school teacher thought about you. The truth is we all have fears. Fear, I can't fail. Or maybe you have a fear that says you're afraid of success. Like, and so every time you start to experience success in your relationships, you drop a hand grenade in the middle of the relationship. It, I don't know what happened. No, no, it's just a fear of success. Every time that you seem to do well in your bank account, you go spend money you don't have. Why? Because it's a fear of success. Or maybe it's a fear of failure. And so you, you, you never start anything or you never complete. You start a lot of things and don't complete anything because you're afraid to do well on them. 
Or maybe for you, fear looks like being afraid of having other people's input in your life. And you mask it behind, I don't care what anybody says. But the truth is, you're afraid to be vulnerable and allow yourself to be known by other people. Maybe you're not afraid of doctors. But what the doctor told you, you're afraid of it. Maybe you're not afraid of small spaces, but you are afraid of how claustrophobic your marriage feels right now, and that scares you about the future. Maybe you are afraid about what will happen with your aging parents. I'm just saying we have real, like, let's be honest. We have real fears. We have real fears. And today, God is speaking. You you may have thought the question you're asking today is, how do I deal with this situation? What are the answers? How do I need to move forward in this situation? And God's answer is different. God's answer is, do not be afraid. So God is speaking. God is saying, do not be afraid. Today, perhaps you're you're trying to figure out like how, how do I how do I move forward with the Christmas season because it's either it's either buy the kids presents now and then pay for it in January when we're struggling to make rent or it's the kids don't get anything now but our budget stays on schedule but I've got to deal with the kids this disappointment like like I'm just saying there's real fear real like how do I deal with it and God's answer isn't always to give us a B C D God's answer is Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Is there anybody with, um, this is my favorite illustration Christmas time. Does anybody have Christmas lights here? David, come on. Give David a hand. Yeah, he came prepared. You guys thought you were supposed to bring a paper Bible to church. You were supposed to bring Christmas lights. Now you know. This is a great illustration every year, and I always forget about it until I do the Christmas, the, the lights outside the house, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that illustration. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> some of you have these fancy reels. You just reel all the lights in, and it comes out super nice. Others are like me. You just stuff them in a box, and the next year, you got, you're out. You got the little, the little gun trying to figure out which light is broke on there. You know, it's, it's a nightmare. These things are a mess, so untangled, but... The truth is so many of our lives are, they look like a tangled mess and it causes anxiety and it causes stress and it, it causes all kinds of guilt and frustration because we've got these tangled up lives, just very complicated. We, we live in a complicated world and, and, and the problem is God, we're sitting there trying to do it ourselves, trying to fix the problem, getting, getting all these lights t- untangled ourselves and God's answer is don't be afraid. And while you're rushing trying to get, I got to get this situation fixed before anybody finds out that I'm not perfect. And God's answer is, don't be afraid. I, I can't let anybody really get close to me because then they might really find out what I really think about this situation. And God's answer is, do not be afraid. So, so God is speaking. And God isn't saying, untangle your mess. He is saying, do not be afraid. 
I hear people say this all the time when they find out that I'm a pastor, which it's a conversation killer, right? Like, you're on a plane, like, well, I, what do you do? Oh, you know, I, I build airplane wings. And they ask me, what do you do? I'm like, I work in the nonprofit world. <laughs> you know? Well, what do you do? Well, I get, I get uh, a lot of judgment about what I do, so I'll just leave it there. The, the truth is, like, the moment I say I'm a pastor, like, the conversation either, it shifts to either no more conversation or they start telling me all the reasons why they don't go to church. And the reason they don't go to church is, I got to get this thing untangled before I can start getting around God's people. And it breaks my heart every time I hear it. Somebody says, no, like, I, I, man, I love church. I, I need to be there. Like, I'll be there next week. But pastor, I'm just, I got things I'm working through. And what I'm saying is God's, God's response to you isn't hurry up and get all the mess untangled. His response is, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And then he goes, goes further. He says this. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God has a plan to deal with the complexities of life, to deal with the fears that you're experiencing in life. But to get Joseph to participate in God's plan, God's answer is not to answer all of Joseph's questions. God's answer is to say, don't be afraid. I am with you. I am with you. God's goal in your life is not that you would untangle the stresses and the messes and the pains. God's goal in your life is that you would hear him when he says, do not be afraid. And you would trust him when he says, I am with you. Because you don't serve the kind of God that leaves you alone to figure out the difficulties on your own. You serve the kind of God that says, I'm with you when it's good. I'm with you when it's bad. I'm your ride or die. I'm, I'm beside you every step of the way. He'll never leave you, and he'll never forsake you. The word of God says he's like a friend that sticks closer than a brother today. And if you feel like you're too far from God, then you're missing the message because when we look in the book of Matthew, that's where we are, the book of Matthew, when Jesus is introduced, it says, his name is Emmanuel, God with us. And when it ends in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, the very last words of Jesus, it says this, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What's going on is he's telling us something. Uh, you're not alone. You're not trying to do this. You're not trying to fix it on your own. You're not trying to roll up your sleeves and will your way into a better life. It's not the power of positive thinking, but the God of heaven is with you. He's with you in your struggling marriage. He's with you in your financial situation. He's with you in your dark nights, and he's with you in your good nights. He's with you when you feel all alone. He's with you. So what do you have to fear when he's with you? God is with us. 
God is speaking and, and he is saying, do not be afraid, I am with you. I'm with you in that decision you need to make. I'm with you in that conversation that needs ha having. I'm with you in that struggle. I'm with you in the disappointment. Do you hear that today? He says, do not be afraid. I am with you. hear it? Do not be afraid. I am with you. And he doesn't stop there as the band would come. Just a moment earlier in that verse says she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And it's in this moment that we see the purpose of Jesus from the very beginning. He didn't come to identify your sins. You know, sin is anything we think, do, or say that, that doesn't please God. And, and I don't need to tell you what they are. You already know. You feel it here. Anything we think, do, or say that doesn't please God is sin. And it tells us Jesus came to save us from those things. Not that he came to identify them. He didn't come to put his finger on them and say, this is what you're doing wrong. He, he, he didn't come to, to judge us for our sins. He didn't come to point them out, to thumb his nose at us. He didn't come to tell us you've got sin, straighten out the, the, the Christmas lights. And for some of us, we grew up in homes where our view of Jesus was very much that he was deeply concerned with what we were doing or weren't doing right. And he was here to point out the problems and the areas where we fell short, the things that we did wrong or the things that we didn't do that we should have done. And I'm here to say Jesus is not concerned with those things. He's here to save you from those things. Church family, that's good news. But the God of heaven is not trying to point out the problem. He's saying, I have a solution to the problem. The solution is, do not fear. I am with you. I'm with you. Would you stand all across the room? Maybe there's someone today that you've just always felt like maybe you've avoided church because you thought church was about people having it all together. You thought church people wanted to point out your problems. You thought maybe God was more interested in what you're doing wrong. I'm here to tell you he's not. He's very much interested in saying I forgive you. Come close to me. You got stress? Come close to me. You have anxiety? Come close. 
got guilt, you got shame, come close. Your Bible says that he's the God that is close to the brokenhearted. He's not far from them. He's close. So that's you today and you're saying, I, I, want, I want him to save me from my sin. I want him to free me from the things that I know I shouldn't be doing or the things I know I should have done. If that's you, you, you just feel like, I, I just want to be right with God. Put your hand up boldly because that's why he came. That's the reason he came. If that's you, boldly put your hand up. Come on. I see some hands. Some people saying, I just want to get right with God. Keep it up for a second. Come on. Bold. I want to be right with the Lord. Listen, it's easy. It's not about you untangling a mess. It's about you repenting for the things in your life that you know don't please God. That means turning away from them. And believing in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which cleanses us from all sin. Right now, if you're ready to make that decision, just join me in prayer. We're just going to pray. We're going to repent. We're going to turn away from it. We're going to turn towards God. Something like this. God, I'm sorry for the things in my life that I know don't please you. Things that I'm ashamed of. Things that I'm guilty of. I'm turning away from them right now. And I'm turning towards you. I believe that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again. And right now I'm placing all of my faith and all of my hope in him. Say these words, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. And I'll follow you every day that I live. Come on, somebody just made the biggest decision of their life. <laughs> biggest decision of your life. So I'm going to stop untangling this mess. And said, God of heaven, would you just sit down, crisscross applesauce with me? Help me untangle this thing. In fact, I'll just trust that you'll do it for me. I'll just trust that you know how to get it there. Come on, isn't that good? If you're in the room today and maybe you recognize that there are some areas of your life that you're just trying to handle it yourself or perhaps some fears, maybe you felt like this message was for you. I just want you to kind of put your hands in like a receiving posture and I'm going to pray for you. Just the God of perfect peace give you peace right now. Lord, you are good and your faithfulness endures for every generation. You weren't just for our grandparents. You weren't just the God of our parents. You are our God. And these are your children. So Lord, I pray right now that you would ease every fear as we cast our cares on you. Would you be faithful to the brokenhearted? Would you heal those 
who are dealing with difficult seasons right now. Lord, I pray with those that these holiday seasons drag up the worst of fears, the worst of pains. Lord, would you wrap your loving arms around them? Would you comfort them? Would you strengthen them? Because our hope does not come from another. It only comes from you. Come on, church family. Let's worship the Lord together. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.